All right, welcome back everybody to Beating the Odds, a weekly podcast that focuses on all the recent ramblings of sports news, trends, topics, fantasy football, and sports wagering. As always, I'm your host, Bushy, and as always, my partner in crime, my co-host, my brother, Sean, what is up, my man? What's up, buddy? Uh, Back on the show, rough round of divisional rounds for me last week, but we'll get into that a little bit later. All right, well, uh, other than uh, your weekend, uh, any other news to report? Have you followed any games this week up to this point or seen anything that's kind of like tickled your fancy, so to speak? Um, well, a lot of MLB coaches being uh, fired right now due to the scandal going on, uh, mainly the Astros. Uh, Cora was just let go a few days ago, and they're still digging a little deeper into that. Yeah, the it sounds like the only person that could possibly face some disciplinary action that hasn't is maybe Carlos Beltran, who was just hired to uh, be a manager. I guess he was in cahoots with Cora when Cora was with the Astros and so on and so forth. So, you know, it kind of is that two or three degrees of separation. That's a really big topic right now on the radio. Um you know, I, I understand the integrity of the game and so on and so forth, but these are the kind of things that are going to happen when, uh, you know, you make technological advances. You know, they, right now, whoever was behind this latest way to steal signals or, you know, relay things and so on and so forth, um, you know, those guys are already looking at the new the new wave, you know, so who knows what that's going to be. Yeah, when you introduce electronics like that, people are going to look for what they can get. And if you're one of the hitters there receiving those signs, that's going to improve your game significantly when you know what pitch is coming. So you kind of have to wonder which players were getting tipped off and if that actually did affect their batting averages on the years. Uh, I read an article earlier that Pete Rose actually made a comment on saying just getting rid of the managers and and general managers shouldn't play as big as a factor because you need to actually put some some of the hurting down on the players that were accepting the signs as well because they're participating in that and there has been nothing handed down to the players and i respect Pete but i don't think his word really carries any weight you know i mean he's a guy that's been banned for from for life uh, you know, from the sport uh, due to the fact that whether he admitted it or not, he did bet even on, you know, his own team. You can't tell me that he didn't. Any hardcore gambler is going to tell you, you know, if he's got inside information or he's got, you know, a little bit of juice going one way or the other, he's going to lay the money down. So, you know, I, I understand what he's saying, but, you know, he, his opinion really probably doesn't even hold two cents of water with the players the one thing that i can tell you that i've heard a lot is you know my my opinion on it is first of all i I do think the 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 coach and the gm from the astros and now cora from the red sox you know i think they had to be let go because there's in my opinion there's no way you're going to run a professional franchise that supposedly 
you know, all sports prides itself on sportsmanship and dignity and integrity. And here you are at the, the root of this whole cheating scandal. But to even take it a step farther, let's say that it wasn't as big of a deal as it was. I just don't think that you can realistically have your front office and your head coach be out for a year, bring two guys in, tell them like you're a temporary replacement, and then have those guys come back after a year. I just don't, it's almost like why even play? I think it's just a waste of time. So they did the best thing, which was, you know, see you later and hope you find work somewhere else. Yeah, it's going to take some time to get things sorted out because I don't think what the MLB does is going to be right in anybody's eyes because somebody's going to be unhappy either way with the actions they take. Um, as far as that goes, you kind of have to wonder if maybe this all started back with Spygate and other teams and other leagues started taking note of what was going on or if this is just going on all around in all sports and people are just now starting to catch on to that. I, I kind of agree with the latter. I, I mean, yeah, Spygate was, you know, it. I, I've heard, I think it was Jim Rome that came up with the adage, and I don't know if it was his saying, but, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And it's only cheating if you get caught. And for these teams, they got caught. I mean, had they not got caught, uh, it would still be going on. You know, whether it's the use of technology like Apple Watches and, center field cameras, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing I found most humorous about the sign-stealing debacle was they used something so primitive to send the signal out. Banging on a trash can in the dugout just seemed kind of prehistoric when you're using all this technology. And it's like, hey, what's the best way to get them to know what pitch is coming next? Hey, why don't you bang on that can over there? So I thought that that was pretty humorous. And you got to kind of wonder also... A little in the background noise here is how the sports bettors feel. That's what we do our show on, you know, bringing you news, sports betting. And how are you going to feel if you're the team betting on, or if you're betting on the Dodgers there and, and not the Astros, and you find out that that team was actually cheating that year? And I am a Dodgers fan. You know, I've said that all along. And um, the person that you feel bad for is like Clayton Kershaw. Like, I'm not a big enough of a baseball fan that I'm going to go back and watch these alleged games where this happened. But everybody told me from what I've listened to and, and other input, other Dodger fans, you know, they're saying, oh, it was truly evident in Game 5. Uh, Kershaw's got a 4-0 lead in that game. And then all of a sudden... Somebody hits a double, and then I think it's Springer comes up, and he hits a slider. He takes it deep. They end up scoring six runs that inning. And so, yeah, people that are playing on a level playing field or, or thinking that they're on a level playing field, you know, those are the guys I feel bad for. I don't believe in all this hype about, oh, you got to strip them of their title or, you know, vacate the championship. Whatever. It is what it is. Let's try to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Um, the whole thing with, you know, people saying, oh, they're the Houston Asterix now because, you know, oh, you're going to put an asterisk by that championship. Well, you know, I, I don't I don't agree with all that. You know, the, the steroid thing, just like that was found out and 
people were calling that cheating or whatever. You know, people are always going to try to buck the system. You know, hopefully they'll just be more diligent in the way that they police the sport. I don't know about you, Sean, but I feel like, you know, sports is is best in its rawest and purest form. Like, I get it. Nobody wants to get calls wrong and this and that. But human error does play a part in sports. We're not robots. I don't want a digitized strike zone. I like the whole fact that there's a human element to it that you feel just like the guy down the street or anybody, young kids growing up, that they can go out and pick up the sport and play it and compete and not have to, you know, I I don't know. I've heard, I'm jumping around here, but I've heard, oh, that they've got, you know, oh, the only way they're going to put a transmitter in the ball cap of an earpiece in the catcher and then he'll signal to the pitcher and, you know, it's it's just, or somebody else, I don't know, they said they're in testing for some kind of uh, signal device that's in the mound, the rubber on the mound. And it just, I don't know, you know, you can't tell me there's people out there that can hack those things. I mean, there's always going to be people trying to get an edge and I applaud them for doing that. Um, but you know, this sounds like, going back to what you were saying initially with the Pete Rose thing, it sounds like the players kind of had a coup. They had been told by A.J. Hinch a couple times, like, hey, I'm not going to be part of this. Knock it off. And, you know, the the will to win or, you know, I, you know, who knows? Who knows? Money does influence. You know, maybe some big betters are saying, hey, whatever it takes, man. You know, mattress back. <laughs> Who knows, right? Yeah, excellent points you bring up there. And I myself, as a Red Sox fan, you know, I wonder about that year that they won because they had an excellent team that year. They were the best hitting team in the league. And if they were being tipped off, it all makes sense because they dropped off completely the following year. And it makes you wonder. And I guess that's what's going to be the million-dollar question this coming year, right, is the Astros under a new manager, if they go out there and they start the season 22-5 and five or 22-6, and six, this story is moot. It goes away. We won't even hear about cheating scandals. But if they open the season something horrendous like 5-16 and 16 or 5-23, and 23, then everybody's going to be like, see, see, you shouldn't have won that title in 2017. So it's going to be an interesting upcoming year for sure. Yeah, they're going to have to beat that with all their, that on their shoulders and not to mention the conscience in their mind of them thinking and the stress that it's going to bring knowing that everybody's watching them and they're going to be in the spotlight this upcoming exactly. year. Exactly. Moving away from uh, baseball, let's talk about uh, the NHL. Let's talk some puck. Uh, right now, just uh, looking at the standings before we uh, came on the air, uh, I'm showing uh, Boston is uh, heading the Atlantic Division, followed by Tampa Bay and Toronto. Uh, you got Washington ahead in the Metro Division, followed by Pittsburgh and the Islanders. The Islanders kind of cooled off a little bit. Um, I'm a little bit scared about Pittsburgh. I mean, they went 20-some games without Crosby, and they're only four points back of Washington. So that's a, a, a pretty good number for them. Yeah, I feel like Pittsburgh just surprises me every year because they always seem to lose Crosby or Malkin or both at the same time, and they always seem to stay in it and manage to get into the playoffs every year. They really do, yeah. This year, it just seems like with all the previous years, they've just grown to know how to play without those players now, and they're just better now with them out. Not overall as a team, but they've learned how to adjust now. And uh, 
so then the the way the wild cards sit right now, you've got uh, Toronto at 56 total points in the Atlantic. They're in third place. But then you have Carolina and Philly as the wild card teams with 56 and 54 points total. And then just behind them, uh, right uh, below the cut line, you got the Blue Jackets and the Panthers, 54 and 53 points per you know, perspectively. Yeah, you can never rule out Columbus. Right. And uh, then moving over to the Western Conference in the Central, we got, you know, St. Louis, last year's winner. They're uh, kind of dominating. They've got 67 points, uh, followed by Dallas and Colorado, two young teams, two good young teams. And then in the Pacific, man, right there, the leaders, your team, you called it, the 57 points. You got the Phoenix Coyotes. Uh, that's awesome. Followed by Edmonton and Calgary, and then again with the wild cards, you got Vancouver and Winnipeg with 54, but also at 54. But due to probably like head-to-head matchups or statistic point differentials or whatever, you have the Vegas Golden Knights, and they just fired their coach today. So that's a team I would definitely tell all the sports wagerers so on and so forth, to keep an eye on them because those t- teams, once they get new leadership, new blood in the room, so to speak, um, they could go on a little run, you know, and they, they might jump right up into the mix with Edmonton and Calgary. Yeah, I definitely didn't think the Coyotes would be leading the Pacific right now. I thought they'd get into the playoffs, but they're up there leading it, so I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, a lot of close point totals over there, though in the the wild card race so they could easily fall out of the playoffs if they go through a little slump but i hope they just keep up the pace they made a lot of good trades uh brought in a lot of good pieces so i think they're going to be there at the end of the season uh no surprise on st louis like you said Uh, i'm a little worried because tampa bay's been creeping up on boston for the last couple weeks and uh, like you said, Vegas, you know, always keep an eye on teams when they fire that coach. The, the next game they play, they seem to show up for the, the new guy. I, I really think they're going to put a little push. And then, of course, they've got uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and Ned, and he's one of the best. So um, that team could really turn it around. Um, I Really no surprises for me. You know, it, it's weird, and it has been the last couple years, to look at standings and so on and so forth with hockey and not see the Red Wings and not see the Blackhawks up there. And the Rangers, too. I'm not a big Rangers fan, being that I'm a a huge Capitals fan. But, you know, those are three powerhouse teams that have been there for year after year after year. And they're in a, you know, they're kind of in a rebuilding phase. So it's weird not to see them. Uh, yeah, you kind of get used to seeing them at the top, but seeing them at the bottom down there with Ottawa, you know, you're used to seeing Ottawa down there. Yeah. Uh, the Flyers, they always seem to be on the outskirts of the, the wild card, and they seem to fall off. They're kind of doing the same thing again this year. We'll have to see if they can make that push to get in or if they'll fall off again, you know, repeat like they usually do. And we got the All-Star break coming up. You know, that's uh, that's a nice, uh, a nice thing. I saw today they're going to be doing some – just always tweaking the skills competition. They got a three-on-three elite women's little tournament game going on. That'll be fun for the viewers. Um, I, I'm excited. You know, I, I just love hockey. Uh, I was super uh, happy. You know, here's a little homer take that 
<clears throat> excuse me, that Nick Nick Backstrom he got re-signed. I think it was for I want to say like uh, five years at almost nine million per. So he'll probably finish his career in Washington. Kind of leads me to believe, like I said uh, to you off air, that I I think that opens up the possibility of them shopping Holtby. Uh, for either draft picks or just to cut his salary. Their reserve goaltender, Samsonov, is playing you know, out of his head. He had another shutout, uh, I think it was either last night or two nights ago. Uh, they won two to nothing. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're playing. They played Carolina and, and, and beat them two nothing at home. So, uh, you know, a lot of stuff coming up. You excited about the All-Star game? Yeah, I love watching the the NHL All Star Game. That's one of the few that I do actually enjoy Me watching. Me too. Me too. Uh, I love the skills competition. Probably my favorite thing. Um, that leads us to uh, some of the players that are actually sitting out and taking the one game hits just so they can enjoy that time to recover their bodies. I know Tuka Rask announced today. I think Flurry was one. Crosby. Ovechkin uh, sitting out. Ovechkin. Uh, yeah, not Crosby. I think it was Ovechkin. But, uh, yeah, not surprised to see those guys sitting out taking the one-game bans or suspensions just to uh, get their bodies in check and prepare for the second half of the season. I agree for sure. So that, uh, that's pretty much all we got right now on the NHL. I think it's a light night today. I think there's only two games tonight. Uh, I think you told me that uh, you put a little action on the Blackhawks. So here's uh, – you know, hoping that uh, that that comes and uh, pays out for you. I know that uh, this past weekend, uh, most of your hockey wagers, from what you were telling me, were almost as bad as Marshawn's penalty shot. So uh, yeah, a couple yeah. of them stung. <laughs> had the Sharks against the Capitals. Uh, had a two goal lead with about 40 se- 47 seconds to go in that game, and uh, turned it off thinking I won after they got the empty netter. Uh, ended up losing that game. Uh, went on later, saw my balance, and uh, did not have the the money there that I thought. Yeah, that was a that was a rough one for sure. And then last week while we were on air, unfortunately we, we uh, watched the Capitals drop a tough one, two to one to to uh, Philadelphia. But you know it's uh, you know the wins and losses come and come and go, but. Uh, Speaking of that, one and three last week in the divisional round. So I think you fared well there. I did. I went three and one. the The only game I lost was the the Vikings game. I did pick them, and even though they were getting seven points, they kind of got uh, blown out there. But but that's all right. You know, I was happy with it. I, uh, you know, I'm excited. We'll get more into our picks. But I was gonna say, uh, why don't we do uh, our recap section of the of the show now and. You know, I'm going to let you kind of run with this, and I'll chime in from time to time. But what do you got for us as far as the fantasy football year? Yeah, I'm just going to go through uh, some of the quarterbacks, the best and worst, running backs, receivers. Just name off a couple from each position on who performed better than they they everybody thought, you know, based off where they were kind of drafted in my own mind, where I'm thinking where they went and how they actually performed. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot, and if you don't have it, we can uh, do that for the next show too, but is there a way that um, you can possibly, as you're going through these, I don't know, did you think about possibly writing down some players to 
even look forward to in this next upcoming year's draft that, you know, would be would be hot items come next year's draft. I'll definitely have a list together uh, before next year's drafts take place. Uh, I already have some some names in my mind right now. Uh, I'll maybe I'll name a few. You know, AJ oh. Brown, Tennessee. He came on strong he there did. at the end. He did. So he's going to be somebody I'm targeting as long as he's not too far up on the the draft boards. But uh, I'm hoping he's a little bit later in the round still because he didn't really come on noticeably until Tannehill got there. So that's true. But uh, yeah, I'll start off with some of the the top quarterbacks I, I noticed this year. Um, Lamar Jackson obviously finished off as number one overall quarterback. Uh, most people got him pretty late in their drafts to go along with Dak Prescott. Uh, he was number two overall. Jameis Winston ended up number five overall through a lot of picks, but he still provided fantasy points for you. Uh, Russell Wilson always up there. And Ryan Tannehill, he finished number 22 overall. Mariota got benched. I know 22 overall is not great, but he didn't play that long. And if you picked him up late in the seasons, uh, he was a great addition to your team. Uh, some of the worst quarterbacks, I feel like Brady, based on where he goes, uh, I don't like him. He finished number 11. Phillip Rivers, number 17, had uh, higher expectations for him. Drew Brees, number 19 overall. I know he was injured. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater came in, but when you're picking Brees to be your your guy, you don't want him finishing number 19. Uh, Baker Mayfield, sure, yeah. uh, number 20. Uh, a lot of people were high on him. He went early in drafts, but uh, I definitely thought people were reaching for him already, and they got they got stung by it. Uh, Matthew Stafford, back problems late in the year, finished number 29 overall, and. Uh, Carson Wentz, uh, he had some wide receiver injuries. Uh, I don't think he was going to be on too many playoff teams that actually won in the championship, but he finished number 10 overall. I think a lot of the, what I would consider like your first tier quarterbacks, really did have an off year. You know, those ones that you talked about that usually go really early your Breezes, your Brady's, your Rivers, your Rodgers. Those guys just didn't really either their supporting cast was injured or they were injured themselves. So going back to Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson, is it your opinion that Lamar Jackson is, or even uh, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, are these guys, Patrick Mahomes I'm a little more, I've got a little more trust in because I've seen him do it three years in a row now. Lamar Jackson, can he be number one or a top five guy next year do you think oh 100 i think he'll be in the top three for sure uh they're gonna have a lot of their pieces return he's a running quarterback he proved this year that he can pass the ball and he's gonna be racking up a lot a lot of yards running the ball so so and i you know this is this is kind of old school i've been doing fantasy football uh for i don't know well over 10 years now but it used to be, you know, everybody's philosophy, uh, the so-called pros, you know, they would always say draft your running backs first. You know, you want to stock those. You can get a quarterback wherever. Um, now maybe where you've got a guy that's throwing for 150 or 200, but he's rushing for almost 102, maybe he punches it in in the red zone. Are quarterbacks, you think, going to take a different position as far as draft status goes? Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, 
a lot of quarterbacks when they show up and they prove that they can run and they get a lot of points that year, the following year they shoot up the, the draft boards. And I expect the same result with Lamar Jackson and Prescott this year. Um, they should live up to where they're going to go. Um, if you got them where they went last year, you got great steals for your roster and you were probably playing in your championship game in fantasy football. All right. Take us on to the running backs. Running backs. Um, best Christian McCaffrey lived up to his draft position easily, the number one running back. I, I think he could possibly be the number one fantasy football player from this past year. I had him, and I don't even think there was a week where he didn't get me over 24 points. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, a beast, uh, still was putting up points after Cam Newton left. The coach got fired. He was still the main focal point of that offense. I don't see things changing there next year. It can only get better, in my opinion. Correct. Uh, Derrick Henry, uh, I think some people were probably surprised by him. He ended up as the number two, so definitely he's up there in the best category. Uh, probably was on some winning teams as well. Uh, Josh Jacobs, great rookie year, ended up number 14, missed a couple games with injuries. Dalvin Cook, can't ever write him off. Great running back, definitely improves that Viking team all around. Aaron Jones, number three overall. I don't think people had him up there in the rankings, but uh, definitely solid addition to your fantasy team if you had him. Austin Eckler, I don't think people were going to have him ranked as number eight. And uh, a couple of deep ones that could have helped you late in the seasons. Kenyon Drake, number 18 overall fantasy for running back. And Raheem Mostert, number 20 for the 49ers. He definitely stepped in, filled in a couple of roles that his name wasn't even on draft boards last year, but he ended up number 20. And that's because, worst case here, we had uh, Tevin Coleman definitely underperforming. Uh, a couple other guys, you know, Sony Michelle. Uh, definitely dropped off from the previous years. Uh, I had him. He was horrible for me. <laughs> yeah, he finished number 24 overall. Uh, don't think he was winning many people championships this year. Way too hit or miss, in my opinion. The Patriots just so up and down. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fluctuations going on there. Uh, Darius Geis, people drafted him mid-rounds, uh, even a little bit earlier. Uh, injured still. Uh, Joe Mixon, Melvin Gordon, we all know the deal there. Todd Gurley, Barkley, finished as number 10 overall. You drafted him within your first, like, three picks. That's not where you want your guy to end up. Alvin Kamara, number 17 overall. That's a, that's a worse performance there, you know. You don't want that for your top pick. This leads into David Johnson, the biggest flop of the year probably besides Schuster. I, 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 I only somewhat laugh here at this because I remember when we were playing cards together, you know, it was... I think the weekend right before your guys' draft party, so to speak, and uh, boy, there was a lot of guys throwing his name around for either the first or second pick. Like, oh, if I get him, I'm going to go, you know, David Johnson, or if I don't go David Johnson, I'm going Saquon Barkley. And these guys both finish out of the top 15, uh, you know, and it's, it, it is, it's just so so weird that you get uh, you know these other players that that just dominate and the guys that had all the tools the year before just slide so far I, I'm I don't really know where Nick Chubb uh, fell into all this but I thought that he was pretty solid uh, being 
that he was on the team that he was on. You follow me? Yeah, Nick Chubb definitely uh, performed to expectations where you drafted him, probably even a little bit better, actually. I would think so. I would, I would think that people probably got him in rounds like three through six, something like that. Yeah, I believe he was a top six overall running back. So, yeah, depending on what, like I said, that whole draft philosophy used to be running backs first. Now, uh, man, I, I don't know. Like, I've seen people with their first pick take, you know, when Gronk was available, people would take Gronkowski, you know, or, or Travis Kelsey. I think he went at least in the first two picks, uh, not two picks, but the first two rounds of picks in both the leagues I was in, you know. So it's it's just really weird how everybody's philosophy, they think they've got the new latest and greatest strategy. Um, but I think when it comes right down to it, you know, you, you just got to look at what's been tried and tested to, to move yourself along. And, yeah. you know, before, before I really started uh, paying more interest into fantasy, uh, talking to you and picking your brain, picking Drew's brain, you know, a lot of it is really that weekly attention paid to your lineup where you look more for team matchups, and if there's a player available, you grab them off wires just for that game. So there's constant rotation of your lineup. Or some people like, oh, I've got a solid lineup. But I almost think the wave of the future is going to be like, okay, hey, we're going up against you know the Dolphins. Uh, or some t- defense that gives up, you know, 60 points a game, be like, okay, I'm going to take the second wideout that no one picked up because everybody's going to focus on, you know, wideout one. And, you know, that guy gets you 100 yards receiving and two scores, you know. Yeah, definitely. Waiver wire pickups are great part of winning championships. Uh, plug and plays on on the weekly, you know. Uh, as far as drafting and like guides to drafting your fantasy football teams, I think everybody goes in with a strategy, but sometimes you can stick with it. But it might just be best to just draft the best available because if you're going in, you're going to try to take two running backs. That running back might not even perform up to expectation just be based off these stats that we're listing now. Like you might draft him early and he falls off and doesn't perform, you know, and you could have a Lamar Jackson or a. Dak Prescott sitting there, and you're going to look back at your draft history and be like, man, if I would have took them there, my team would have been awesome. So you just got to kind of look and weigh your options and just go right, with the flow. Right, right. And I got a little bit ahead of ourselves. Well, just for all the listeners out there, again, this is the Beating the Odds podcast. We can be followed on Twitter at Beating the Odds number three. Um, we also have Facebook page, which is uh, it's Beating the Odds, and what's the new one? The Beating the Odds Forum? Yeah, Beating the Odds Forum. Uh, please go on there, like our page, Beating the Odds 3, and go to the forum as well and participate in our conversation. And we will definitely, before uh, next football season, we'll have a huge fantasy football preview show and hopefully not only give you tips to win some money, but uh, nothing's better than just rubbing salt in other people's wounds at work when you go in after you guys have had a, a, a matchup, you and your buddy, and you you know blow them out by 30 or 40 points. So follow us. Uh, that show will be coming up you know, in a few months. And uh, let's move along. Let's, let's go to the wide receivers, Sean. 
Yeah, wide receivers. Uh, this is my favorite category because I feel like I always build a wide receiver bench that's deep. So if I go through injuries, I always have people there. Uh, my league, I use three wide receivers uh, with a flex for a possible fourth one in my, my $100 league that I, I run. And I found a lot of great finds late in the drafts that panned out this year, but I actually had Schuster and David Johnson as my first picks, and I needed that deep bench to actually help me, and that snuck me into the playoffs. So if my team worked out and I drafted good and my players panned out, I would have had a really solid team. A couple of those players and the wide receivers were uh, John Brown. He went late. Uh, it was solid, solid uh, pickup this year if you drafted him. He ended up as the number 18 overall wide receiver. Another guy on my roster was Jamison Crowder. He went really late in drafts. Uh, he was number 34 overall. Uh, that's just solid production on bye weeks or uh, flex positions, you know, if you're using those guys and they put up those numbers. A lot of other standout wide receivers, you know, Michael Thomas lived up to the name, number one. Chris Godwin, number two. Kenny Galladay, number three. I can't go wrong with Mike Evans when you have Winston throwing the ball to both those receivers. Another shocker, Devontae Parker. He finished number six overall. I don't think people uh, had that one listed. So no, I did. I I had uh, the 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 number one receiver Godwin off of uh, the Buccaneers, and he had a huge year for me. He was awesome. Uh, but I know the other gentleman that you just Devontae Parker. I didn't. I didn't even know. Yeah, I don't think uh, a lot of people wasn't on my radar. The draft radars. He was a pickup a few years ago. Just never panned out. But Fitzpatrick came in and threw him some touchdowns, got him some yardage. So uh, number six overall. And yeah, Chris Godwin, young player, great kid. Uh, He's going to be an all star for years to come. Uh, I mentioned AJ Brown earlier. Somebody to watch for next year. He finished as the number nine overall wide receiver. I actually didn't even believe that when I looked. Uh, he snuck into the top 10. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Right. Uh, Dallas Chark was a waiver wire pickup last year. I picked him up. Yeah, number 16 overall. Michael Gallup, number 20. McLaren on the Redskins, number 23. And uh, Debo Samuel, number 29, another rookie that uh, started slow and came on strong for the 49ers there at the end. He's still helping them right now, hopefully to get to the Super Bowl and win it. And uh, as far as... Bad wide receivers. We've got Schuster, uh, early pick there. He's number sixty-five overall wide receiver. He Just, crushed me. Yeah, it's horrible. You don't want Juju there. Schuster was your David Johnson to me. Yeah, uh, Calvin Ridley, another guy that had uh, strong potential this year and fell off. He was number twenty-four overall. Uh, don't want that when he's being drafted there. Antonio Brown. I uh, hate to bring him up, you know, but number 145 overall. <laughs> Hope he wasn't an early pick for you. Uh, Brandon Cooks, number 63 overall. Uh, big drop off from the previous years. Yeah. I don't know, it's because Jared Goff's kind of showing his his form and people are picking up on it. Uh, Tyler Boyd, wasn't too happy with him. Odell Beckham, number 31 overall. Wow. T.Y. Hilton, number 57 overall. Uh I gotta decide on my keepers next year. I think I'm probably gonna be letting him go. But uh, Sammy Watkins, number 54. Alshon Jeffrey injured as well, 58 overall, and Preston Williams, 73 overall. I think you know, going back, not to beat the dead horse, the strategy, but I really think that uh, 
it's going to be it's going to be smaller faster slot receivers you're not going to get as many deep balls as you used to traditionally just because of what you were saying you've got quarterbacks now that can scramble and if they get in a little bit of trouble they just hit that little dump off so you probably want players that are just multifaceted instead of just burners that you know go deep or whatever Slot receivers definitely play a big part in uh, PPR leagues as well because you get points for every catch. And if they're dumping it off to them, they're going to rack up points just by catching the ball, and they might not get the yardage. Great point. All right, Sean. Well, thanks a lot for all that fantasy information, as always. Really appreciate your knowledge in the whole aspect of fantasy football, as do the listeners, I'm sure. But uh, even though we're not in a straight fire competition anymore uh we do have a couple games to pick against each other this week so let's get at it straight fire all right sean so uh what are your takes on this championship weekend well for the first game up we got the titans at the chiefs Line, I believe, is minus seven. Uh, the total points, 51 and a half. Uh, I'm going to probably take the Titans plus seven in this. I like the Titans' run game. I think they'll run the ball to keep it away from uh, the Chiefs, keep Mahomes off the field. Uh, I think it will be a low-scoring game, lower than the point total. And uh, I think if Derrick Henry can do what he's been doing, they will keep it close enough. I don't know if they'll win the game, but I have them covering the plus seven. Okay, I disagree with you on that. Um, but I do think that the game was probably going to be a little closer than what most people are predicting. I do feel, however, that the Chiefs are going to win. Uh, I think they'll win probably by 10 or 13 points. Um and most of that pulling away will be in the later second half uh, after the Titans have, you know, kind of just been worn down. Um, this, to me, the best analogy to me is kind of like a, a boxing match from the, the 70s, you know, like a Muhammad Ali versus George Foreman. You got a puncher versus a, a stylist, you know. For the Titans to win, I agree with you. Everything's got to go through Derrick Hendry. He's got to be a workhorse. He's got to carry the ball 30 times. Uh, no turnovers. And they got to hope for a couple Kansas City turnovers. Uh, but Kansas City, I mean, gosh, they've shown, you know, you in 10 minutes, these guys can put up 40 points. So you can't count them out. Um and I, I just I have a really good feeling. I you know, I personally think that this is the year that Kansas City's gonna finally get back to the Super Bowl and Andy Reid is gonna get the monkey off his back. So what do you think for a total score in that game? What are you feeling? I think under the fifty one, I think fifty one's a little high or fifty one and a half, whatever it's set at. Um, but I you know, I'm feeling I'm guessing maybe like 31-17, uh, maybe 
13, something like that. I do think that the t Titans will be able to punch it in a couple times, but, um, you know, I just, I don't see them uh, being able to ha handle the that arsenal that Kansas City's got. Yeah, with that game last week, that high-scoring game, I think a lot of the general public is going to be betting the over in this game. Uh, but I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win 24-20. to 20. And would you bet the under as well? Yeah, at this moment in time, I think that's probably my my favorite play is the under. And just a memo to our listeners, I mean, I don't know if Sean has, but I do not have any uh, current knowledge on what the weather outlook is. And obviously that would play a big a big role as well. Moving on to the NFC, I'll start on this one. We got the 49ers against the Packers. Uh, the 49ers are uh, minus 7.5 is what I'm showing them. Uh, I don't know if the line has changed. And this is a game that I just don't think is even close. Um, you've got that front four of the 49ers, you know, Joey Bosa, all these other guys. you got Richard Sherman, playing like he did five or six years ago. And I just think it's going to be too much uh, for Aaron Rodgers and, you know, what essentially is one receiver uh, to try to beat this team. I, I just don't think this game is close. Um, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be like 42 to 14, something crazy like that. I just see the Niners doing whatever they want with the Packers. Well, we're going to have a disagreement there again on this game. I'm going to take the Packers plus 7.5. I think both these lines started about minus 7. They're up to about 7.5 in most places. Uh, the total for this game is 44.5. Uh, I think Green Bay will keep it close. I think the score of this game could be 24-23, very close, either team winning. Uh, I think Green Bay has revenge on the mind from the game that they played against the 49ers earlier in the year where they did get blown out. Uh, I don't think it'll be the same thing this time around. So I'll be taking the points on that one as well. Just uh, in case you're planning on laying down some uh, coin on that game, Sean, uh, one interesting stat is, from what I understand, the last Five times that the Packers have been eliminated from the playoffs, it was against a team that had beat them earlier in the year. So you might want to fact check that. I don't know. I love it that we're disagreeing, though. Uh, it's going to give us something to talk about next week. And, you know, regardless of the outcomes, here's hoping for at least uh, a really good showdown between Kansas City and San Francisco. So it sounds like. We're going with the same winners. However, the point differentials are going to have you wager different than me. That's the fun thing about wagering. And I'll need those both to pan out in my favor so I can catch you and end up 3-3 three and three for these playoff rounds. That sounds good. But you're no slouch. And why we've got this going here, let's talk about, just give a quick recap about how we did head-to-head -head in our three-game pick straight fires. And then I just wanted to, you know, also get your feelings on how you did had you participated in the actual Hilton Five. So I'll give you the final totals that I have from our straight fire. You annihilated me. 
Uh, you had a very respectable 29 and 22, which if my math is correct, is a 57% winning percentage, which is, that's making money, my friends. And I finished 25 and 26, 49%. Uh, with the Hilton Five, uh, you went 40 and 44 with one draw in there. And that, if I did the math right, is about a 47% winning clip, which isn't bad. You know, that's that's almost a coin flip. Uh, you know, give me a little more back history about what what the payouts were on this contest had we gone in on it. Yeah, the the Westgate Super Contest, it's a $1,500 entry. Uh, I believe first place was $1.4 It's the biggest payout it's ever been as far as the contest has been running. It's just been growing in size each year. Uh, the guy who ended up winning it, he went 59-25-1, which is 70.2% against wow. the spread. He, he went, crushed. Yep, crushed it. He went 5-0 and the last week, and he won by a half a point. And in that contest, pushes give you a half a point. So that push that he got made him win. So That is awesome. Definitely a shout-out to him. I believe his name was Eric Kahan, if I'm pronouncing that right. Nice. But, nice. yeah, $1.4 It's a nice payday right there. I would like to know if what uh, his method to his picks were, if he was doing the research himself or if he was using some kind of, like, bot that would – you know, analytically break down all the the previous. I know a lot of handicappers now have gone to, you know, technology, which is fine. Um, did you happen to get what the cutoff was for payouts? I didn't look that far. Uh, I know they pay out a decent amount due to the amount of entries they get, uh, but I did not look. Okay, maybe we can do that next week for the listeners. We'll find out where the cutoff line was and see how close to 40 and 44 would have been were like you know I'm just curious to know would you have been five places out of the money or would you have been 500 places out of the money um, yeah. something tells me that you know the guys that are you know right near the bubble are they're probably picking just a little bit over 50 percent um, yeah it's definitely some information we can get for next week's show uh, I 40, 44, and 1, I'm not too happy about. Um, I know I can do better. I've done better in previous years, but I'm really not off that much from 500 on the, the podcast plays. Exactly. Uh, it was a rough year all around for NFL and, and betting, but uh, hopefully next year it'll be a little bit better. But picking five games against the spread every week is definitely a hard task. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. As always, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to the listeners for joining us. And uh, take care. Love one another. Send positive vibes out. You'll get positive vibes back. And Sean? Remember to game responsibly. That's right. See you guys next week.